I want to get some Halloween nails, but I know for those listening, it is close to Halloween. Right now, it's not really. It's enough for me. You know, it's pumpkin spice latte season. I'm in a sweater. Halloween nails are in. My thing has been I keep looking on Amazon. I want to get what my ideal situation is right now is I want to have a very cheap but doesn't look cheap witch Mm -hmm. costume because for the first time in my entire life, I am in a neighborhood that might have kids come to the door for Halloween. So I want to have – yes, I want to have something. But but, but, I want it before I do all of this, I want to ask one of my neighbors and say – do we get kids for Halloween? Just so I know what to prepare for. Because right. I feel like sometimes I'm in a I'm in a t- kind of townhome community. And I, I feel like either that means this is prime pickings for kids on Halloween or kids drive out of the neighborhood because it isn't prime pickings. And I'm not sure. I, one, just judging by how many children I've seen at your pool. There's a lot in your of neighborhoods. kids. Yes. A lot of kids. I know my neighborhood is insane. <gasps> I did not buy enough candy last year. I have to at least double the amount of candy I bought from last year. I, I am so excited. I, part of me, my mother is an elementary school teacher. Well, she retired, but mm-hmm. she was for so many years. Part of me loved that because I do love little kids. I just don't want to be responsible for 25 at one time. I don't want to be responsible for any I'm at afraid one they'll bully me. They have the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very sensitive. But I do adore seeing the children. Mm-hmm. As soon as I thought of that, like deep into summer, I wigged out. I was so excited to get to see kids on Halloween. I'm so excited for you. <gasps> My only regret is that I can't join you for that because i'll have, have an kids. army of children at my own front door oh my god my heart rate went up so much i'm so excited to see these kids on halloween but so i want to have a cute but not scary costume because you've heard about mm-hmm. my traumatic story on halloween when i was little no no i would love to hear this story oh it wasn't the per. well there's actually a lot there's actually a lot the me loving halloween is kind of crazy um because i should be <laughs> scarred but there was one instance where i was in kindergarten so i was what is that five or six little you're little. Yeah, something like that. And I was dressed up as a black cat, very creative. <laughs> and my dad got so tired of walking door to door with me. Like, he just got tired. So he's like, I'm just going to wait by the street. You go. He's like, he's like yeah, you go up I, to the I don't door. Think, I'm, I'm the youngest of five kids. Like, my parents, I don't remember ever really accompanying me on trick-or-treating. Uh, I think they did when I was really little, but I also had older sisters sure. doing it. And when I was old enough and knew the neighborhood, they were like, see you in a couple hours. Bye. Yeah. When I was old enough. Yeah. I think, well, my dad, like also when I was really little, he tried to get on like the kitty rides with me. Like he did not, oh my God. I was not allowed to leave <laughs> my parents. So, but in this instance, he was like, oh yeah, go up to the door. And this family had their, you know, CD player, their little stereo mm-hmm. outside playing kind of spooky Halloween sounds. Oh, very cute. And, by pure coincidence, when I walked up, the voice yelled, get away, you black cat. And I, <gasps> I instant oh tears, God. instant sobbing. And these this poor family, which to me, I was like these adults. I think it was like a college student like mm-hmm. <laughs> opens the door to like a sobbing five-year-old who got so scared. She like came out and like tried to give me a hug. And I was just oh I was so God. scared of whatever this one <laughs> And then another time there was when we would go trick-or-treating my grandfather's neighborhood i don't know where this was as a kid i never and still we've already established i never know where i am and it they had very kind of big older houses and we were walking mm-hmm. around because i guess they gave good candy i don't know and 
there was a very suspicious looking scarecrow on a bench. Very suspicious looking. And I was like, I don't trust that. My grandfather was like, no, 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 it's just fake. It's been here all week. And I was like, okay, grandfather, I trust you. No, it was a man. (laughs) Of course it was a man who jumps out and scared me. And I was like, (laughs) so my goal is to have a very spooky, not scary. That that should be on my house crest. Spooky, not scary. Because Me too. I, yes. I'm the same. You and I are both that way. We were like, we love the spooky vibes. Spooky we love vibes. the energy. I don't want to be scared ever. I don't want to be scared. I don't want to be scared. Um, So that's my goal. But I want to have a costume that's kind of spooky, not scary. I want to have some decor outside that's spooky, not mm-hmm. scary. But before I make any investments, <laughs> <laughs> I want to check to see if they're like, what? What are you talking about? No, nobody comes here. I can't. I genuinely can't imagine a scenario where that's the case. The thing that makes it potential for me is that part of this complex is apartments. So part of it, I don't like I can't get into the building I'm looking at right across from me. So while like mm-hmm. my side is townhomes, you go up to the front door. Some of the buildings here don't have front doors to go up to. So that's the only part that I'm kind of like, mm, that could make it a little iffy. Well, I promise if you want children to give candy to, you can always come to my place. There will be so many. I love that. <gasps> that was the best day in elementary school. Did your school do that? The Halloween yes, parade? Yes, the, co- the Halloween parade. Oh, I don't remember most of my costumes, but I do remember the ho- – because, again, my mom was an elementary school teacher. And I remember the extreme pride – that I had when it was our Halloween CD that was blasting through the speakers during the Halloween mm-hmm. parade. And I was like, I know all these songs. Like, <laughs> like this is our Halloween party CD. <laughs> like, with, like, you know, cheap <laughs> yeah, No one cares, but it's like, yeah. Oh, I was so proud. I still have a Spotify playlist now of that CD, all the songs on that CD in order. Oh, that, that's amazing. My poor family had to endure what I do now just to myself, which is that's all I listen to in October. <laughs> yes. I love that. I had some interesting costumes as a kid. Um, I had a friend growing up who we would do trio costumes, me, Jamie, and, and this friend. Oh, cute. So we were a box of Crayola crayons one year. Okay. So the three of us were were red, blue, and yellow, and we had the box around oh, us. Cute. And little beanies that was the top of the crayon, and our parents made the whole box. The next year, we were sh- uh, soap, shampoo, and conditioner. So she had a bunch of uh, balloons around her as soap, Jamie and I. And my mom would, like, hand make these costumes. Say, they were you're, unbelievable. You guys are the children that my mom wanted. Because me and my brother were like, the catalog's here. Like, she wanted to do those cute, like, you're a dust bunny, like, really cute. Yeah. Like, no, I wanted to be, like, Disney's Cinderella. Like, like, I was like, I want to purchase. Again, youngest of five kids. That wasn't, was not on the table. Oh, my mom was like, fair. don't look at the catalogs. You're not getting one. She made these unbelievable costumes, and she she always hated how expensive the Halloween costumes were and mm-hmm. how bad they looked for how expensive they were. So she'd make it herself. No, my mom really wanted to make very fun. Again, elementary school teacher. She wanted mm-hmm. to have the cute kid costumes, and we were like, no, Kyle demands to be the Hulk. <laughs> so I feel bad. My proudest costume I've ever had was when we all did Clue characters, and I was Colonel Mustard, and I, I got that. the old Explorer cap, and I had... I've seen pictures of that. Really? I Yeah, you showed us that one time I've, when we were talking about costumes. I'm impressed that I found them, because Casey of today, I have no idea where those are. I have no idea. Maybe you didn't show us pictures, and I just created a very vivid memory of it in my head. Maybe you just described it so well that I feel like I've seen it. I am a, <laughs> a painter of words. 
really can make those images for you. Well, speaking of being a wordsmith, hi, everyone. I am Tracy Harrison. And I'm Casey. (laughs) I wrote Harrison on the sheet, but because I thought it was funny that her name's right. It's Casey Ropsky. That's my real name. Alter ego. (laughs) It's gone. (laughs) I'll finally be real. She's she's being real with you, everyone. And this is the Willing and Fable podcast, the podcast that brings you original retellings and in-depth research on the history, mystery, and mythology that makes the world so fascinating. If you'd like to support Willing and Fable, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you're listening. It's a big help. You can also shop their fun merch at willingandfable.com, or you can enjoy their secret Discord and become a patron on patreon.com slash willingandfable. Or, or... You can whisper your deepest desire into the passing wind and let it float out into the world manifesting itself into reality? Yeah. That's an option? That's an option. Wow, Tracy. Well, no matter what you do, they appreciate you. (laughs) Good job, Casey. Thank you. First take. First take. Perfect. Yep. Definitely not. No mistakes. No starting over. One and done. One and done. Why do you even need to say that? I nailed it immediately. I just want to make sure it was really clear that everyone knew without a doubt. Everyone knows. That you nailed it on the first As soon show. as I'm on the podcast, they know this is only professionalism. And one, they call me one take Casey. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, that's how we've always introduced you. Yep. You know, uh, one take Casey has joined us once again this week mm-hmm. to jump in and share some tales. Although actually this time I'll be sharing the tales. Um, guess we'll see. I suppose we will see. <laughs> Casey might have some pumpkin spice lies to share with me. I don't. <laughs> only truth. I never lie. She never lies. Mm-mm. Only does one take. One take cake. One take cake. No lies. Casey, why don't you um, say hello and give a little introduction of yourself? What, what should people know about you other than that you don't tell lies and you only do one take? I mean, that's all you need to know. Uh... I don't know, gang. I'm excited about Halloween. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, oh, I'm learning how to knit. How about that for an introduction? Hmm. Ooh, love that. Love learning new skills. Yeah. Um, I also could teach you to crochet, which I prefer over knitting. I know. But I don't need to start I, like a yarn craft war. I told – my mom started the war because I told her I was thinking about crocheting and she said, you'll never wear anything you crochet. She's, she came out fighting. She was like, you should only knit. She was like, nope. She was like, it's har- it's harder, but you're going to wear it. And I was like, okay. All right. So there you go. All right. She came out swinging. And that's my introduction. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Rowan will be back next week. Thank you all for your kind words. But for this week, enjoy once again having the bright and chaotic energy that is Casey. Thank you. That's right. One take cake. So they call me. All right. Do you want to start talking about today's topic? Eh. <laughs> I can take it away. I'm, with it. <laughs> I'm kidding. I am excited. I want to hear this topic. I'm. I'm. Ah, I'm very excited to learn. Yeah. So this week we are uh, talking about jack o' lanterns, which was suggested by a few of our mythic level patrons. So <gasps> if you too would like to get a say in what we research on this show. You can join us on Patreon and you can jump in on our Discord where we send out polls and requests. So thank you to our patrons for suggesting this episode. Yeah, good job. <laughs> Today, 
We're going to be talking about Samhain and the history and mythology behind jack-o'-lanterns. Um, is Samhain Celtic? Yes. Because I had this with with the some of the things that I had to say last week, which, I, mm-hmm. as you can see, are already gone from my brains. Why is it spelled Samhain? It's a different, it's a different alphabet. It's a different way of... Aye, aye, aye. Yeah. Yeah, that's why there's two, you see two different spellings of the name Sean. S-E-A-N is the... Celtic way of spelling it, but oh. S H A W N is the anglicized. I will version. tell you, Siobhan killed me. That name, that Siobhan, name spelling? Siobhan, Siobhan's tricky if you don't know the rules. I, I don't. It seems like I look at it and I'm like, this is going to go anyway. I need to hear someone else. So the, okay, Sam Hain. Yeah, so, so, yep, S A M H A I N is pronounced Sawin, and it is the Celtic festival we'll be talking about today. Okay. All right, I'm ready now. Now I know how to pronounce it. Thank you. Anytime. Mm hmm. Casey, what is your favorite jack-o'-lantern that you've ever seen carved or that you've carved yourself? Oh, oh, I know I've carved some dumb ones out there. That's a real Mm -hmm. shame. I don't remember them. But I've always wanted to be able to do the ones where you really manipulate the light and you like Mm -hmm. carve it thin so that it Mm -hmm. kind of has that. I've never been able to do it. But me neither. I've done. I've done. Oh, well, I did like I, I stole it from that like. Um, like graphic design company or whatever and they're like this is the design that won and it was like when you do a teeny tiny little face on the big oh pumpkin. i did that last year oh but it's so fun though it is it's just so a funny. delight it's so funny my favorite that's my favorite too it's just a tiny two tiny dots mm-hmm. for eyes and a little mouth this i maybe you're gonna give me some inspiration today because my dad grows he has a big pumpkin patch so we end up with a lot of pumpkins every year Ooh. so i usually carve a pumpkin i don't know if i have the gear for it this year but I'll have to think of a good mm-hmm. design. We'll get thinking. All right, I'm ready to think. Because there are few things in this world more iconic for Halloween than jack-o'-lanterns. But Casey, have you ever wondered where this concept came from? Why do we painstakingly remove the guts out of a gourd, carve faces into them each year before shoving fire inside of their hollowed-out bodies and putting them on display outside of our homes? It's insane. It's a wild tradition, but I'm here to answer that question. So thank you. To start, let's talk about the history of putting faces on food. According to National Geographic, the concept of using a round fruit or vegetable to depict a human face goes back thousands of years in some northern European Celtic cultures. It may even have had pre-Christian origins that evolved from the custom of head veneration or potentially even represented war trophies taken from your foes says Nathan Mannion, senior curator for EPIC, the Irish Emigration Museum in Dublin. It's quite macabre, but it may have symbolized the severed heads of your enemies. The idea took deeper hold during the Celtic Festival of Samhain, which was originally celebrated on November 1st and inspired many traditions of modern-day Halloween. On Samhain Eve, October 31st, spirits of the dead were thought to mingle with the living. To ward off restless souls, people donned costumes and carved frightening faces into root vegetables such as beets, potatoes, and turnips, which were usually plentiful after the recent harvest. I even read on Irish Central that gourds were one of the earliest plant species domesticated by humans around 10,000 years ago, mostly cultivated for their carving potential, for use as kitchen tools, dishes, musical instruments, toys, furniture, and more. Maoris began carving them for lanterns 700 years ago, 
the Maori word for gourd and lampshade are actually the same. Like I, I just, I can only imagine if I cut a pumpkin, tried to whittle that pumpkin mm-hmm. into a spoon and then ate, I don't know, soup. Like that would just be hot pumpkin. Like, ooh, I'm not so sure about that. I think that sounds delightful. Hot oh. pumpkin soup. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> it's just- All right. Katie Lang, who is a writer for Time Magazine, says that for the Celts who lived during the Iron Age in what is now Ireland, Scotland, and the UK, and other parts of Northern Europe, Samhain marked the end of summer and kicked off the Celtic New Year. Ushering in a new year signaled a time of both death and rebirth, something that was doubly symbolic because it coincided with the end of a bountiful harvest season and the beginning of a cold and dark winter season that would present plenty of challenges. This time of year also meant that the world of the gods was closer to the world of man. Ghosts and spirits from the other world were able to roam about during Samhain. Sacrifices of plants or animals were made during this time to appease deities by burning them in bonfires. Offerings were also left out for spirits, both benevolent and mischievous, and tricks and pranks were often played and subsequently blamed on fairies or spirits. Samhain was the most significant of the four quarterly fire festivals taking place at the midpoint between the fall equinox and the winter solstice. During this time of year, hearth fires in family homes were left to burn out while the harvest was gathered. After the harvest work was complete, celebrants joined with druid priests to light a community fire using a wheel that would cause friction and spark flames. The wheel was considered a representation of the sun and used along with prayers. Cattles were sacrificed, and participants took a flame from the communal bonfire back to their home to relight the hearth. Early texts present Samhain as a mandatory celebration lasting three days and three nights, where the community was required to show themselves to local kings or chieftains. Failure to participate was believed to result in punishment from the gods, usually illness or death. However... On May 13th, in the year 609, Pope Boniface IV declared a celebration called All Saints' Day, or All Hallows, or All Hallowsmas in Middle English. The day before this subsequently became known as All Hallows' Eve. The festival was a day to honor Christian martyrs and saints. Later in the mid-8th century, Pope Gregory III strategically moved the celebration to November 1st, coinciding with the time Samhain would have typically been held. The homage paid to martyrs and saints who passed closely paralleled the appeasement of ghosts of the dead during Samhain. The church's capitalization on Samhain traditions didn't end there, however. Participants in the new version of the holiday celebrated in much the same manner as their Celtic forebears had, with bonfires and costumes that reflected the spiritual and otherworldly. The offerings of food and goods to protect themselves from spirits and ancestral ghosts became offerings of food and drink to the poor, displays of generosity and goodwill. And the tricks and pranks attributed to otherworldly evil spirits manifested themselves in spirits of the saints. Doesn't sound very saintly. (laughs) No, it doesn't. It doesn't sound that way to me, but... What were the tricks and pranks? You know, I feel like they're probably less fun than the the little goofs and gaffs of the fairies. I'm just going to say it. 
Okay, I thought by less fun, you were going to say, like, ah, they killed John, them saints. Like, <laughs> bummer. <laughs> yeah, that's the prank. They just killed John. Good prank. It's a good goof. Had everyone laughing. Well, everyone hated John. <laughs> I wish I could say I was surprised that Christianity came in and took over Sawin and turned it into all hollows well, miss. That's how they but they always do that. They pissed off. That's how they pissed off the the Dullahan. That's right. Call back to last week. So Casey, eventually All Hallows Eve evolved into Halloween, mm. becoming more popular in secular culture than All Saints Day. The pagan turned Christian practices of dressing up in costume, playing pranks and handing out offerings have evolved into our popular traditions, even for those who may not believe in otherworldly spirits or saints. So before we talk about how pumpkins fit into all of this, we need to talk about turnips first. Do we? We do. Uh We do. We got to talk a little bit about turnips. Hey, you got got a good turnip. You got roasted with some salt and pepper. It's pretty good. I uh, believe you. (laughs) I'm sure I've had turnips before. I have. Nope. I'm thinking of something else. I'm sure. I, I, I can't tell you what vegetable I'm thinking of. Maybe I've had a turnip. Well, I'm assuming I'm about to learn about them. So people started carving faces into turnips for three reasons. <laughs> three reasons? It's wow. three reasons. The first is that it's fun and cute. Oh, okay, good. The second was to help ward off evil spirits during Samhain. Mm-hmm. And the third is that metal lanterns were expensive. Okay, I will say my brain, when you read that, I was like, why not just make it out of wood? Hmm. <laughs> I was like that. It would, it would be a lantern for a period uh-huh. of time. Huh? Huh? This is... It, yeah. I don't think I'd be allowed in these towns. I'd be like, stop using guards for everything. Wood's fine. And immediately, like, burn down. <laughs> <laughs> That's why. That's why they call you One Take Casey the Firestarter. Oh, yeah. I like that one. <laughs> That's even better than Katrina Von Horsker who ran away in the middle of class. <laughs> First I don't know. Take, I think that's pretty good. First take cake fire starter. Mm-hmm. That's I her like name. It. Don't wear it out. Mm-hmm. So, Casey, if you hollowed out a turnip or another root vegetable and carved holes into it, you could put embers inside and bing, bang, boom, you have your own lantern. How would it not cook cook the turnip? Wouldn't it cook it the turnip? It might. I don't know. I didn't do much more research into it. Again, these might be like dried I guess I just I but like it doesn't it doesn't cook the it doesn't cook the pumpkins when you do jack-o'-lanterns oh that's a good point that's a good point all right so I guess maybe how I carved my pumpkin this year is I'm going to try to whittle it into some sort of lantern oh I love that love that yeah all right so eventually the holes people carved into those turnips turned into faces or alternatively really horrifying faces like the one in the National Museum of Ireland Hey, Casey, would you like to scroll down and describe this image? All right. I haven't scrolled down yet. All right. Here I go. Oh. <laughs> Jason, you're not going to like my take on it. I think he's kind of cute. <laughs> you think he's cute? He's kind of cute. Yeah. <laughs> I, find, I find his little teeth so upsetting. He's just little. He's little. He's baby. Okay. He looks like you took baby Voldemort and put on some lipstick. He's got lipstick on. He's got eyeliner on. So it's like baby Voldemort got into his mom's makeup. 
because he doesn't have a nose. Like his nose is too. They put like some haphazard gashes into the yeah. turnip space. Yeah, yeah. I think he looks like a cute baby Voldemort if you tried to make Voldemort into a turnip. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, I find it so uncomfortable. I, like him. I really like him though. <laughs> All right, maybe I'll have to carve mine to look like that. <laughs> okay and just keep that inside for me so i don't scare the children like i promised not to do previously <laughs> i can't believe that's a turnip it's a turnip it don't look like anything i've seen on this earth well it's preserved so nat geo claims that visitors to the national museum of ireland country life in county mayo can see firsthand how terrifying those turnips could look <gasps> A plaster cast of a carved turnip lantern commonly used during the early 1900s called a ghost turnip and complete with craggy teeth and sinister eye slits haunts the museum's permanent exhibitions. You know, this is how you must have felt when I was like, this horseman gets zero out of five pumpkins on the hot yes. scale. Like, I feel like this is, they are digging into this little cute baby turnip with his little face <laughs> and they see <laughs> so sweet. He's so upsetting. He's so. I find him. No, I warned Casey before we recorded. I was like, I have one horrifying picture for you to look at. I am so shocked we come to it. She goes, He's a cute baby. He's just a cute. He's he's a little. (laughs) Oh, I love him. I they're so mean to him. I can't believe this. I was just as mean to him. I was on board with their mean train. His little teeth genuinely upset me. He's just got little teeth. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm going to have to work really hard to carve this. It's going to be difficult. They've got layers. They've got makeup. It's a lot, but you can do it. I I believe in you. Thank you. The big question is, are you going to carve it on a pumpkin or a turnip? I guess I have to go for authenticity, but it feels like it'd be very hard to carve a turnip. It does. It does. It's much smaller. It doesn't have gunk inside it. Like pumpkin, you cut it open, you just take all the gunk out. This, you have to carve, 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 carve to hollow it out. That's true. Guess we'll see. It's a small price to pay to have your sweet boy with you forever. Uh-huh. I'll really learn how to preserve. I'll have to learn how to do it. How to dry it out, apparently. Oh, I'm going to light them on fire. That's going to be a shame. I'm not going to be able to do it right. I can feel it. He'll go up in the blaze of glory. He always wanted to. What's his name? I don't know. Terrifying they turnip. Even, they didn't even give him a name. No wonder he's so mad. What do you want to name him? What do you I name don't this guy? Have a good one. Ah, what did I? I had a name in my head when I was walking. Sometimes I just say phrases to myself, and I'm like, "That's a good name." Yeah, yeah. We should talk about this. Casey, as a DM, has the wildest piece NPC names. NPC names uh, I've ever heard. Uh, Chimbly Bimbly. Oh, yeah. Uh, Clorox Johnson Johnson. Brexit. Brexit. Dr. Yeet McDuck. Oh, I Britney Spears one. Esquire. Well, yeah. I think it was um, Run Up the Stairs. I think I liked that name. But he doesn't look like a run up. Oh, but he no, does sound cause... like turn up. Turn up. Oh. Run up. Turn up okay, for his what? His name is <gasps> Run Up for what? I I feel like he looks like a run up. Okay. Everyone, we will post a picture of Run Up for What on our Instagram oh, for you to see. Up. Oh. He terrifies me, but I'm glad for you. Do you want to talk <laughs> about Stingy Jack, the little lad who started it all? Yes. All right. The story of Stingy Jack seems to be where the idea of creating jack-o'-lanterns comes from. The story, as best as I can tell based on various versions, goes roughly like this. 
Jack was a wily old blacksmith who loved to drink and play tricks and pranks on people, often fancying himself the smartest person in town. Well, one day he ends up having drinks with the devil. Sometimes, most of the time, the story refuses to elaborate further. Others say that he found the devil outside and asked him for a drink in fear of his own life. Oh. After a merry old time of drinking, they decide to settle the tab. However, Stingy Jack, true to his name, didn't want to pay for the drinks with his own money. Instead, he convinces the devil to turn himself into a coin so they can pay with that instead of their own money. The devil, seeing no flaws in this plan, agrees. However, instead of paying the tab, Stingy Jack puts the devil coin in his pocket next to a cross, thus forcing the devil to stay in his coin form. Also, Jack never paid for the drinks, which is rude and also a crime. Eventually, Jack agreed to free the devil so long as the devil promised to wait before taking his soul. The two parted ways and Jack, feeling very confident and proud of himself, continued on his merry way. A few years go by and Jack somehow manages to run into the devil again. This time it was by an apple tree and the devil was certain he would take Jack's soul. Jack, seemingly accepting of his fate, agreed to go with the devil, except he was just so hungry and it was only fair that he be given a last meal. So he requested an apple, and the devil, being a really chill dude in this story, climbed up the tree to get an apple for Jack. Jack then surrounds the base of the tree with crosses so the devil was trapped. This time, Jack demanded that the devil never take his soul down into hell. Kind of out of options at this point, the devil agreed. Jack freed him, and the two parted ways. Eventually... Jack died, whether from old age, drinking, or some uh, sort of shenanigans that he got up to, you can decide. However, as he was entering heaven, he was told by St. Peter that he was mean, cruel, and led a miserable, worthless life on earth, which frankly feels a bit rude. So, St. Peter sent Jack down to hell. True to his word, the devil refused to take Jack into hell. Now Jack was really scared, and he asked the devil what he should do. The devil, knowing Jack was going to become a spirit wandering the world for all eternity, and also being the best person in this story, gave Jack an ember from hell to eternally light his path. Jack happened to have a turnip with him and put the ember inside of the hollowed-out vegetable, and thus he became known as Jack of the Lantern, or Jack-o'-lantern. Oh! Oh! I uh -huh. did it! It all I comes together. Yeah, I just thought his name was going to be Jack. I didn't realize there was going to be Stingy Jack equals Jack O'Lantern. Jack O'Lantern. That's crazy. Well, Stingy Jack's kind of stupid. Like, I thought he was the smartest guy for doing that coin ploy. Mm -hmm. And then he just let him go. That's crazy. Yeah, right. he, he lets him go with the promise that – because the, the original idea was he was like, oh, I found the devil. It means the devil's here to take my soul. So he's like, yo, don't take my soul. And the mm -hmm. devil's like, okay, fine. And they part ways, and the devil comes back, and he's like, it's time for your soul. And he's like, can I have an apple? And then he traps the devil again and says, never take my soul. And the devil says, okay. I just, I would have not even tried to make a deal. I'd be like, tricked you. And uh, yeah. if I felt like I tricked the devil, I'd be like, great. Now you're a coin in my pocket with this cross forever. I'm going to bury you in a in a, the ground. 
Yeah, it's it feels a little bit concerning that it is that easy to just get rid of the devil in this canon. I'm just imagining what was that? What's that show? It's by like the Simpsons guy, and it's on Netflix. It's animated. Is it the Disenchanted one? That's all I can think of. Yes, I think that's what I'm talking about. And they've got like the little devil. It's Eric Andre. That's what I'm more imagining here. Like that. There's other devils. This one just happened to be there, and made a made a wrong move. Oops. Mm, I like that. That makes sense. So it's interesting that you said you thought his name was just Jack, mm-hmm. because I wondered why are there so many Jacks in folklore? Yeah. Jack the Beanstalk, Jack Me Nimble, Jack Frost, Jack-o'-lanterns. Why are all of them using the same name? The answer is both simple and complicated. Mm-hmm. The name Jack could be short for Jacob, uh, which may be related to the Germanic Jonkin, kin of John or Jan, sorry to any German speakers, which is different from the French Jacques. But all of these names came together to become the very common first name, Jack. Like Ivan in Russian folktales or Hans in German stories, Jack became the go-to name for very clever young male protagonists. As Dictionary.com puts it, essentially, Jack entails serves as kind of a shorthand for guy. So Jack was guy before guy was guy. Oh, interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. That's why there's still a phrase today where you can say, hey, Jack, what's up? Like, hey, Jack, whoa, whoa, like, that just means guy. And fun fact, sometimes guards were called jack-o'-lanterns because they would wander around at night with lanterns while on patrol. Huh. So basically lantern guys, jack-o'-lanterns. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I have missed people calling people Jack as a stand-in for anything. It's, it's a kind of older way of speaking. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I accept it. <laughs> It was also used as a cautionary tale, a morality tale, that Jack's soul was trapped between two worlds, and if you behaved like he did, you could end up like that too. The story also helps explain Ignis Fatus, a natural phenomenon that occurs in marshlands and bogs, such as those in Ireland's countryside, producing flickering lights as gases from decomposing organic matter, and then they combust. What? Also known as Fool's Fire, Fairy Lights, Will-o'-the-Wisp, and eventually Jack-o'-lantern, it often seemed like a floating flame that would move away from travelers. That was described by Nathan Mannion, the senior curator of the Irish Emigration Museum. Mannion says, if you were to try to follow the light, you could go into a sinkhole or a bog or drown. People thought it was Jack of the Lantern. A lost soul or a ghost? Uh, yeah, I would too. Are you kidding me with this? Right, I would too. Absolutely. I would, I would so believe in fairies if I was just seeing these little flickering lights trying to get yeah. me to run into a bog. Yeah, because you know I'd follow it, Tracy. Yeah, uh, 100% you would. We would oh. lose you so fast to the bog. This, whew, what a shame that would have been. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, what's more believable? fairies with all of you know fairies trying to trick you into going into the bog mm-hmm. or l- exploding mini gas plants no yeah i don't buy it i don't buy it i'm not here for it i'm mm-hmm. here for will of the wisps jack lanterns fool's fire fairy lights all of it yeah i mean it sounds just it makes more sense it really does so as ireland began the process of nationwide electrification in the 1930s the tale of stingy jack started to fade To quote Nathan Mannion again, the minute the lights came on, a lot of the stories lost their potency and people's imaginations weren't running as wild. 
But, Casey, Stingy Jack mm. may not be the only source for our root vegetable-faced friends like Run-Up. Oh, I love Run-Up. I forgot about him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to talk to you about Jacko the Bowl. Nope. Another version of jack-o'-lanterns might come from a similar story to Will-o'-the-Wisps, retold in different forms across Western Europe, including Italy, Norway, Spain, and Sweden. In Switzerland, children would leave bowls of milk or cream out for the mythical house spirits called Jack-o'-the-bowl. That is a cat. <laughs> we talked about, in last season, Rowan, I talked about house spirits, and there's some you leave food out for, you know, like brownies. They were creepy, and- weren't they? Pens. Brownies were usually a lot less creepier than the Doma Boy. That's what I'm thinking of. Mm-hmm. Jack of the Bowls were otherwise known as Jean de la Bolieta. How'd I do? I think fine. Jesus Christ. <laughs> that is the French counterpart, or Knopf Hans in German. I'm so sorry to French and German speakers. <laughs> In return for a bowl of sweet cream left out each night, he would lead the cows to graze in places considered dangerous to humans, but none of the cows ever suffered any injury. The path used by him was always clear of stones, no matter how rocky the mountainside, and this became known as Bolieta's Path. He's often compared to a brownie or a kobold, but not a D&D kobold. What, what kind? A mythical kind that is more of a house spirit. Oh, I can't, I mean, there's so many sounds out there. Why can't D&D make up their own sounds? The ones are already taken. It's crazy. So it's the person who uses everyday words as <laughs> <That's> names. <true. laughs> You're right, though. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Casey, that- on to America. Finally going to start talking about pumpkins. My home, sweet home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you nailed it. Beautiful. Thank you. My brain was like, sing a national song, and I was like, I was 50% sure that was going to be an American song coming out of my mouth. What song is that? I straight up remember the Pledge of Allegiance better in Spanish from seventh grade than I do from saying it every single day for most of my life. They made you guys say it in Spanish? No, I learned it in Spanish in seventh grade, and for some reason it has locked itself into my brain more firmly than almost anything else in my life. Oh, impressive. (laughs) (laughs) once the tradition of carving turnips made its way over to america people quickly realized that pumpkins were much larger and frankly superior to turnips especially as lanterns bachelor writes in nat geo that jack-o'-lanterns began showing up in early american literature writer nathaniel hawthorne referenced one in his 1835 short story the great carbuncle and again in 1852 with feather top about a scarecrow with a carved pumpkin head ah wait do you know what happened in feather top what he lost his head (laughs) did he really do you know that story no i was lying i i (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna start out as a question and then it sound the way my tones were i was like i guess i'm in a lie now (laughs) i'm not in control no you're just on this wild ride of life yes I do want to know what happens to Feathertop, though. What a sweet little name. Yep. Someday we'll learn. Not today. Mm. Cindy Ott, author of Pumpkin, The Curious History of an American Icon, says the first image of a pumpkin jack-o'-lantern is likely one that appeared in an 1867 issue of Harper's Weekly. Oh. 
As the centuries continued, jack-o'-lanterns only seemed to grow in popularity in America. As more Americans began to celebrate Halloween, the jack-o'-lantern emerged as its most iconic image. A review in the Atlanta Constitution described the 1892 all-Halloween party at the home of Atlanta Mayor William Hempfill in, honestly, Casey, a spectacular fashion. Oh, I'm so excited. They wrote, Never in the annals of Atlanta society has a more unique and brilliant entertainment been given, with decor showcasing all sorts of smiling lanterns made of pumpkins, cleverly carved with faces. Oh, that's so cute. It's so cute. Bachelor writes that the carved gourds have come to serve as much more than mere decoration. Oh. Despite their often fearsome look, really? Jack-o'-lanterns now symbolize a welcoming sense of community. Which, Casey, we all know. You mm. don't go up to someone's house on Halloween if they don't have a jack-o'-lantern out front. Oh, God. Right? Like, some kind of decoration. Oh, yeah, it well, symbolizes yeah. neighborliness, welcoming. Yes. If someone's lights are off and there's no jack-o'-lanterns, not going to that house. Exactly. Yes, I want to be the opposite of that. Yeah. And you will be. We will make sure that you have the most spooky, not scary house on the block. Thank you. <laughs> Over the years, the jack-o'-lantern's popularity has not dimmed. Good. According to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, more than 1 billion tons of pumpkins were harvested in 2018. <laughs> Many end up as jack-o'-lanterns on porches, <laughs> although a few make television appearances on shows like HGTV's Pumpkin Wars or Food Network's Outrageous Pumpkins. Do you watch those? I have not. I watch them, babe. Yeah? Yeah. They're, Please describe them for everyone. They're pretty crazy because typically, and I might be getting my wires crossed, sorry, there's a lot of different shows that have pumpkin carving, but I believe I'm talking about Pumpkin Wars. Maybe I'm not, mm -hmm. but I believe I am. I might just be talking about Halloween Wars. That sounds more right. But essentially, the show will have someone who is like a carving expert, someone who mm. is, that's their thing. Yeah. Then... They'll have someone who's more of a culinary person, someone who'll make okay. little treats. And they have someone whose main thing is glass work. Uh, it's sugar, 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 oh, glass okay. work. Okay. And they'll have to make some kind of scene using all of these skills with like whatever size pumpkin. And then they'll have like little helpers as well. And they have to have a treat that goes with the theme. They have to have that glass element. It takes a lot of work. Yeah, they I are bet. very wild to watch. But of course, some of them make it scary and not spooky. And they're like, this is a disgusting thing I made. I'm like, you could have made it cute. You could have made, made it cute. cute. That option was on the table <laughs> the whole time. That's the way I take it. The judges are always people from like horror movies or like horror special effects makeup people. So I do get why it gears more towards horror. But mm -hmm. they are fun shows, I will say, in my opinion. I want to watch them. They sound way up my alley. I just oh, literally yeah. have like missed the boat on it. They're good. Of course, Casey, one can never forget the official pumpkin chunking contest that has happened almost every year since 1986. Uh-oh. Do you know about this contest? I, I've definitely heard of it. Yeah, it, it's a contest to see how far you can throw a pumpkin, how high and how far, and there's different okay. categories. This event was normally aired on the Science Channel, but I noticed on their website it was listed as no competition for 2017 and 2018. Not the years I thought. Right, and I wondered why. It was 2017, 2018, no competition. 2019, they had a competition. 2020, obviously, no competition. Oh, okay. I found the answer. Okay. 
According to Wikipedia, during taping of the 2016 festivities, one of the event's air cannons malfunctioned and chunks of flying metal struck a no. member of the TV's production staff in the head, seriously injuring her. After the injury, Science Channel opted to discontinue filming oh and not God. air Pumpkin Chunk in that year. The staffer is believed to have recovered from her injuries. The producer filed a lawsuit against the WCPCA, its officers, and the landowner in 2017, prompting them to cancel the World Championship for 2017. The lawsuit was dismissed in early 2019, right. and that's when the competition renewed. That's crazy. I feel so bad for that woman. I didn't think that, like, what, the air cannon malfunctions so that metal went mm -hmm. flying? That mm -hmm. sounds like that scary movie I've never seen. Final Destination? That's the one. Uh-huh. I think about that movie all the time. <laughs> I've never, I've never seen any of it. No, that's no, just what I. I imagine. That's yeah. the kind of, like, you'd think she's going to get hit with a pumpkin and they're like, subversion. And poor woman yeah. gets hit with a broken cannon. I, I appreciate that they included that she's believed to have recovered from her I'm injuries. I'm glad. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Jeez. The 2019 event was not televised on a traditional broadcast cable or satellite outlet. The organizers streamed most of the festivities on Facebook Live. Oh. But I want to say congrats to Team Chunk Norris. Oh, that's good. In 2019. Good for them. Right? I had to include that. That's a great yeah. name. When are I going to meet an NPC in your campaign named Chunk Norris? <sighs> I do like Chunk. That's a pretty good name. We'll see. Despite our aggressively American take on this concept, carving jack-o'-lanterns isn't only done in America and Europe. Caridwen Fallingstar, described as witch, teacher, and author of Broth from the Cauldron, A Wisdom Journey Through Everyday Magic, says that lighting candles is a near-universal way to beckon the dead in cultures which can still call them to return for one night. For instance, you can see this custom in the Mexican Dia de los Muertos, but I think... Only the Celtic cultures use imitation skulls called jack-o'-lanterns to welcome some and banish others. Japan does have a somewhat similar tradition. The Japanese light four-sided paper lanterns on small wooden rafts and send them down rivers to guide their beloved spirits back home on a stream of light on their Day of the Dead, which they call Oban. I wish I had a candle right now. This is so sad. Oh, it's over there. Hold on. All right, I've got my candle. Okay. So now you can either repel or call forth spirits. Great. <laughs> I guess we'll see which I get. I'm just going to put the energy out there and we'll see who comes. Yeah, I love that for come. you. Yeah, that's a good that's a good tactic for you. Ronan and I have said it on the podcast before. I do believe it. I think a lot of witchcraft is just spicy mindfulness and it's all about the energy you put out and take in. Okay. Ghost boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> isn't, that a, isn't that a comic? I think, I, I think that's... Oh, ghost roommate, I think I'm thinking of, or something like that. I'm sure there's many of both. <laughs> All right. Are you ready for a story, Casey? I, yes. Okay. My initial thought was, well, my initial initial thought was to continue on your story from last week, but I could not replicate the majesty <laughs> that was your story from last week. For, for some reason, if you Thank have you. not listened to last week's episode on Headless Horseman, and you haven't heard Casey's story, <laughs> please finish this episode and go listen to that, because it is just Honestly, iconic. Thank you. <laughs> so after I had that thought and realized that it wasn't going to work, I thought, well, I'll write a story from the point of view of a jack-o'-lantern. The problem is I had just, before you joined last week, Casey, the week before, written an episode from the point of view of a skull. Oh. So that felt, you know, I 
felt redundant. So then mm-hmm. I had a quick chat with Rowan, and she gave me an amazing idea. Okay. So while Rowan can't be here in person, she is here in spirit in this story. Okay. Okay. You ready? Is this is this where my role will come into play? Yeah. Casey has a, a role okay. to read some lines, so get ready for that. This is going to be blind a blind read. Mm-hmm. A cold read? Isn't that what they call it? Yep. I don't, yep. I'm not an actor. Me neither. <laughs> okay. This story takes place in a homey little town on a homey little street on the night of Halloween. Each year, the pumpkins were chosen at the local pumpkin patch, carried back to their new homes, and thoughtfully decorated by all of the families in town. Some people would carve scary faces, while others would put in a smile, and others still carved elaborate designs. No matter what was carved into the pumpkins, the very act itself was one of creation. On that day, a jack-o'-lantern would be born and placed into the world. So while the adults sewed costumes and children planned out the best routes, there was another, smaller group that formed on the stoops and in the drives of all the houses on the street, the group of jack-o'-lanterns. They played an important role on Halloween, they lit up the path of trick-or-treaters, they added to the ambiance of the whole neighborhood, and, most importantly, they kept vigilant watch over all the residents of the town. You see, each Halloween, as the children began to pour out of the houses ready to make their yearly conquest, the network of jack-o'-lanterns lit up the streets. Their flickering lights shone through crooked eyes and toothless smiles all throughout the town, and they were ready to keep watch over all the children. Over the years, they'd watch the children grow and become adults and have children of their own. It didn't matter what face, or lack thereof, was carved into the jack-o'-lanterns. They always came back to their home. You know that feeling you get when you find the perfect pumpkin to carve? That's not a coincidence. That's just their way of letting you know that they're back and ready to keep guard at your door. So all of the jack-o'-lanterns in the neighborhood who sat out front on stoops, in yards, and along driveways could see as children began running down the street. They saw Jimmy and his little sister Kate walking together. Jimmy was twelve this year, and even though he knew it wasn't cool to bring your little sister, who was only eight and basically still a baby, along for trick-or-treating, Jimmy always did it anyway. He saw himself as Kate's protector, and he liked that role. He even dressed up as a knight for Halloween this year, with a foam sword and everything. Kate was dressed as a fairy and very proud of her wings— She added the glitter to them herself, with only a little help from her dad after she spilled the glitter on the floor. Twice. Jimmy proudly held the sword in one hand and Kate's hand with his other as they crossed the street to the next house. On the front stoop was a pumpkin carved with a very silly face. It had large, happy eyes and its tongue was sticking out at Kate. She laughed and pointed to it so that Jimmy would see. She even made the same face, which caused them both to break out into laughter. She waved at the pumpkin as they passed and went up to the first house, shouting, Trick or treat! before the door was even fully open. After collecting their candy, the pair turned around, 
and they went around the corner to head towards the next house. As they did, they ran almost face-first into Benjamin and his gang. Benjamin was a year older than Jimmy, and he was dressed as a vampire with fake teeth and fake blood on his chin and a collar that went up to his cheeks. Watch where you're going, Tinkerbell! He shouted as he pushed Kate out of the way. Hey, don't touch my sister, Jimmy shouted back. Benjamin turned around slowly with a smile spreading across his fake blood-covered face. And what's the Tin Man gonna do about it, huh? Benjamin asked while giving Jimmy a small shove. Ask me for a brain? Jimmy's hands clenched into fists at his side as he replied. Don't you mean a heart? What? The Tin Man wanted a heart. The Scarecrow wanted a brain. Everyone knows that. Flustered, Benjamin responded. Uh, uh, no, you're wrong. You're just being a dork. He waved his friends over. Hey guys, I figured out his costume. He's the knight of the nerd table hailing from Dorkville. Everyone burst out into laughter, but before Jimmy could do anything to retaliate, he felt a small tug on his arm. Let's just go, okay? Kate whispered. Jimmy agreed. He didn't want to get into a fight in front of her anyway. Well, he wanted to, but he wouldn't. The two turned to walk away from the chorus of cruel laughter at their expense. Jimmy's shoulders slumped in defeat when Benjamin reached forward and pulled the sword right out of Jimmy's hand. I think I should have this, he declared. It looks way cooler with a vampire than a pile of junk inside a trash can. Give that back, Jimmy demanded. But Benjamin only pushed him down into the dirt instead. If you want it so bad, then take it from me, trash boy. Despite the fight being three against one, Jimmy was about to get up and go for it anyway when he heard a sniff beside him. Kate had tears in her eyes and was beginning to cry. That simply wouldn't do. You know what, Benjamin? Keep it. We're leaving. Jimmy put his arm around Kate's shoulders and led them away, ignoring the flood of insults that followed as they left. So you know that saying, I heard it through the grapevine? That saying is ridiculous because grapes have nothing on pumpkins when it comes to communication. In a matter of minutes, the entire neighborhood of jack-o'-lanterns heard the story of Benjamin and Jimmy and they were not happy with the older boy. As the trio of boys walked up to their next house, Kate and Jimmy started to head to the one next door in order to avoid them, which meant they watched everything that happened next. A curious vine snaked its way out of the ground and tripped the two boys who'd been following Benjamin around like puppies. They landed in the dirt with a thunk, but Benjamin just ignored them and made his way up to the long drive that headed towards the door, with candy as his only goal. The drive was lined with a few jack-o'-lanterns on either side, and while Benjamin's friends were extricating themselves from the snarl of vines that circled their feet, a single jack-o'-lantern rolled in front of Benjamin. Benjamin looked down at the pumpkin. It had an angry-looking face carved into it with sharp teeth. He laughed and lifted his foot to smash the pumpkin into pieces when, instead, the mouth of the pumpkin clamped down onto his other foot. 
Benjamin screamed and fell backwards, but the jack-o'-lantern only rolled towards him. In fact, all of the jack-o'-lanterns began rolling towards him. This only made him scream more, and he scrambled his way to his feet and ran away screaming about the pumpkins. His two friends quickly followed him, confused, as they hadn't seen what had frightened him so badly, but they were still loyal, nonetheless. Benjamin screamed nonsense about pumpkins to anyone who would listen, but no one really believed his wild tale. But Jimmy had seen it all, and so had Kate, since they'd both been standing in the street the whole time. Shocked, Jimmy watched as a jack-o'-lantern began rolling towards them. He pushed Kate behind him in fear, but he found he couldn't move. Instead, he just stood there and noticed that the pumpkin stopped halfway down the drive, right in front of his sword. It nudged the foam weapon gently as though encouraging Jimmy to pick it up. Before he could do anything, though, Kate dashed out from behind him and ran towards the jack-o'-lantern, which was carved with a butterfly, and grabbed Jimmy's sword. She gave out a squeal of joy when she wrapped her small hand around the hilt and held it over her head in triumph. She began laughing joyfully and actually bent down to give the jack-o'-lantern a little kiss. Even Jimmy, unsure of what else to do, walked up and gave the jack-o'-lanterns a little thank you as he helped Kate put them back in their proper spots. But the jack-o'-lanterns didn't need a thank you. They were only doing their job. After all, it's important for communities to come together on Halloween and protect each other, big and small. So that was Rowan's idea as she was talking to me about the idea of a network of jack-o'-lanterns kind of talking oh. to each other and whispering about what the kids are doing and okay. kind of bullying, bullying the bullies as they bully the other kids. I was like, oh, it's like Toy Story. Like I was kind of, I was, I thought you meant like it was a reference of like media. Uh, I really like it. I have, it made me think, cause then when I was trying to, again, th I thought it was a piece of media you're referencing, which I, I, I thought this was so fun. Um, have you ever seen Scary Godmother? <gasps> I think I've seen YouTubers review it. Cause <gasps> um, you loved it. Remember? I think, no, no, I it was, it was you. It. You were you put it on for us one time because it's weirdly animated, right? Oh, it's so bad, it's so bad. But the the older kind of sibling character is named yeah. Jimmy. So I was like, ah, oh. no, it's a very good older sibling name. But I th I was like, oh my god, where's the scary godmother's a jack o' lantern? Mm -hmm. But, mm -hmm. but kind of, I I really got into character. I feel I agree. Oh, you did so good. <laughs> I know. It was fun. You got so into character that by the end, I was like, I feel a little bad for, for, I feel bad for Benjamin. Benjamin. He's got something going on. I mean, he shouldn't have taken that sword. That's rude. It was rude. It was He's rude. got the sleepy hollow stealing. boys behind him. Yeah. This is what would have happened to, what's his name, Bones? Brom. Brom Bones, if he didn't go down the good path. Yes, you're right. This is mm -hmm. like, you know how they have to make every piece of media like them as kids? This yes. Is, <laughs> this is Ichabod, Jimmy, Crane. And... This is pre-your Twilight fanfiction. <gasps> yes. Yes, 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 yeah. yes, yes. Oh, that's so funny. So we got to find a way to fit Jimmy and Kate into the mythos of oh, that they'll, fiction. They'll get in there. They'll be like the nice kids that she befriends. Because in Twilight, she doesn't have very many friends. She's friends with Anna Kendrick, maybe? Yeah. A little? I think so. So there you go. There's a human. There's some nice humans. Mm-hmm. We did it. We found some humans. This is great. I, I really like that. 
Yeah, it was fun. I didn't – I pulled a Rowan and didn't finish writing this until like a few hours before recording. <gasps> That's impressive. I just, I, I just struggled and I need I, – I, it, it all came together in the last – Made a good story. few hours. Nice work. Thank you. <laughs> Casey and I have this joke every time we go anywhere that we're going to get kicked out because yeah. we just have chaotic energy that only feeds on each other. Oh, yeah. We're going to get – Yeah. We're going to get kicked out of my own podcast. Yeah. Is what's going to happen. It's too bad. <laughs> it's too bad. It was a fun time. Mm-hmm. Make a deal with the devil. Make a deal with the devil. Keep him in your pocket. I got a devil in my pocket. You know that phrase. That famous phrase that we always say. Devil in my pocket. Yeah. I've got it embroidered on a pillow. <laughs> you believe me for a second there. I did. <laughs> <laughs> I there. watched you go... <gasps> Oh. There, there is, I wish if there was one thing I nah, there's lots of things I would want in life but I would love to see a super cut of all the times I as a very very <laughs> gullible person bought into something and just to see the processing because you can clearly read it right on my face I'm like you do of course not <laughs> you literally just made it up right here <laughs> all right I'm gonna make you go first this week Casey why don't okay. you tell me something good I I slaved on it a lot and we Did even you? went Yes, every single time. <laughs> so I picked one of the ones that I was talking through because we went to Peddler's Village, which is a gorgeous little place mm-hmm. in Pennsylvania. So cute. They had a scarecrow festival and I thought, oh, it was lovely. Know, pumpkin and, you know. I got um, delicious food. It was wonderful. Very good food. But I think in the end, as much as I love Peddler's Village, I think in the end, my something good for this week, which I mentioned, has to be whenever in an album in the last song they have little beats and bits and pieces of all the other songs that were in the mm-hmm. album and they reference them all. Oh, that's what I want. I want every album to have kind of like an overture-esque reference to all the musical I themes. I prefer that too because overtures drive me crazy because I don't know the songs yet. You know, if I'm seeing yeah, yeah, yeah. a show for the first no, time or listening to the first yeah. time. I want it to be at the end. I want to ha- yes. be able to enjoy that experience. So I'm with you on that. I know Bo Burnham's Inside. I love that final song that – Bo Burnham does it. Billie Eilish does it. I think there's an artist called Will J who does it. I, I love it. Um, and then I guess this doesn't necessarily count, but parts of um, Panic of the Disco, Pretty Odd. Mm-hmm. That album has mm-hmm. references to that. I, I think Fall Out Boy does it too. Like when you have like – There's an artist called Lo Fang who has an album that, oh. that does that where songs reference other songs Whoa. or flow into other songs. It's All right. A- I'll have to listen to that. I just – I love it when they're like, oh, remember that where is your boy tonight? I'm like, yes, yes. Put it into multiple songs. Yeah. Check out Blue Film by Lo Fang. I think you'll really Blue like it. Blue Film. I'll write that. Yeah, well, it's my something good. I will definitely have to I'll take yep. as much of it as I can get. Yeah. Yep. It's called Blue Film by L-O-F-A-N-G. Lo Fang. I'm so excited. So I know that's two musical items in a row, but... Sometimes you love a good music. You just love music. That's what I... I was like, that does... Whenever anything does that, I'm so happy. Like, it, it yeah. makes me love it so much more, whatever I'm listening to. I'm sure there's many, many... I wish I knew... I'm sure there's a name for that. But I just don't have the musical terminology for. Oh, I don't either. But if you know of other musical artists that have their final song reference other songs or have songs that reference each other, mm-hmm. Casey is on our Discord. She's yeah. there. You can you just can... you can at her and let her know. Yeah, I uh, I'm there. My picture is what's her name? Agatha. 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 If you know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Agatha from uh, the Scarlet Witch from. Uh, <laughs> WandaVision. That's it. (laughs) 
That was my that was my something good, Tracy. What's what's your something good? My something good, along with Peddler's Village, was a very fun time. I always enjoy going places with you. The again, the chaotic energy we bring is just oh, absolutely delightful. So fun. Um, the other one is that I've recently gotten into learning how to paint watercolor. That's, that's so cool. been really fun. It's just been fun picking up a new skill. You know me. I pick up a new hobby every two weeks. So this is my hobby of the week. Yay. But it's very fun. It's been a very creative outlet. It's it's just there, there's something so much more tactile about actually painting than doing digital art mm. that's mm-hmm. really no, satisfying. No, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. My mom used to love the watercolor pencils. Have you tried that? I haven't yet, but I've – Chalk I, that I up for the next it. hobby because yeah. – like she really loved watercolor. She got me this nice set of watercolor pencils, mm-hmm. and I just only ever use them as colored pencils. I never use them as watercolor. Yeah, and she was like, "Please, please use them for what they're for," and I was like, mm, "No, like I just never did." <laughs> so the I do Casey look just back. talking about times she disappointed her poor mother when yeah, all her mother wanted mom. was certain things. She's like, "Please do these things." I didn't read, but I, I'm I'm now I'm knitting. She wanted to teach me how to knit. Now I'm knitting. Yeah. Now I'm reading. You also I'm, love I'm, to read now. I try. It's been a bit. <laughs> Listen, you're like me, where you you understand that there's, you know, it feels like there's an obligation to read certain, like, highbrow, like, smart books, mm-hmm. when all you really want to do is read bad books about fairies. I love the bad books. I really like this one I was reading, but now that I know no one else is getting it from the library and I can just keep renewing it, the pressure has come off. Mm-hmm. It's called The King of Atolia, if anyone's ever Ooh. looked at that. It's part of a series. This is the third one. But... Now that I know no one else is on my heels, I'm kind of like, I'll get to it when I get to it. (laughs) All right. Okay. Me and and run up. It's going to be great. You and run up. Run up your turn up gourd friend. Yes. Gourd friend sounds like girlfriend. It does. Could have your your turn up gourd friend. friend, Ghoul friend. I'm trying to think of one more. I want them all. I want all of them. Give them all to me. All my friends. (sighs) There's someone else out there. Boo friend. Boo friend. Boyfriend. What would there's somebody else. I know there's something. People are screaming it. There's there's definitely a pun somewhere in there. Yeah. But I'm not a pun I'm not good at making up puns. Alright, at me. Yeah. Join our Patreon, jump mm-hmm. in on our Discord just so you oh, can tell yeah. Casey some more puns. Yeah. If you join the Patreon, you can yell at me haunted puns a lot. All the cursed puns. <laughs> oh, if you got, oh, if you want to send me pictures of toads, actually, this is a great place for me to solicit pictures of toads. I love toads. Please, oh. please clarify. We need to just spell out the word just because it does sound a little bit like you're saying toes. T o a d s. The the aquatic reptile no. creature. They're not aquatic. Oh, they're not Tracy. aquatic. I'm sorry. You ta- That's right. Ka- okay, guys, you're gonna learn something about Casey right now. Casey, <laughs> tell people all your feelings about frogs. Hate, disgusting, slimy selfish rude nasty bad owe you money probably yeah probably toads sweet good texture polite they're quiet they're so sweet you just want to hold them in your hand and pet them they're so shy they're really bashful and they won't ask for help but they need it because they're just little toads (laughs) and you just love them and they're not going to be a giant asshole like frogs are I love toads. You're the opposite of the frog guy from The Good Place. <laughs> yes, yes. You're mortal enemies with him. No, yeah. Well, he can keep all the frogs. That's uh, He can keep them. I don't want them. A teeny tiny little toad. Have you ever seen a teeny tiny toad? I don't know if I have. I've seen big – there's like big honking toads around me that they're, I always take pictures of and send to you. 
I love them. I love them. But what's really cute, because I feel like tiny frogs get all the attention and they shouldn't because they have those gross bumps on their like back. Like it's like. Are like, toads known for being warty? I realized I said thing? the wrong thing. It's like, like they're bones or something. I'm not a frogologist. I don't know what it is, but it's like they've got these gross parts there because my dad's a landscaper. He would catch us toads and frogs growing up. Mm-hmm. So I think I have pretty good experience with these creatures and toads always positive frogs mostly negative they want out they don't want to be near you they don't want to be near no they don't want to be near nobody else they slimy evil weird indents in their back that looks like their bones are coming like out of their skin toads soft made to love made to hold like fat sweet <laughs> i love them I just, I... casey feels about toads the way that i feel about bats i feel so strongly about bats i love them so much they're so important and so wonderful and they're sky puppies and they have the cutest face and they love to eat little fruits and it's wonderful so uh you can keep continuing our people on discord have been sending me wonderful bat tiktok oh, pictures of bats it's been lovely oh, great start sending casey toad, toads toads she loves <sighs> toads toad don't send me toads guys <laughs> if you send us feet we're banning you you send me feet, I send it back. <laughs> that was a deep cut office reference. <laughs> As you are known to do. That's a very late season office reference. <laughs> I don't, I have not seen most of the office. I know. Uh, if I, ah, oh, dang. If I really had unlimited time and resources and could force all my friends to have unlimited time and resources, everyone would get set down and made to watch the office. I know that's basic of me, but... You love what you love. I I think a lot of things, man. Listen, you can call me basic. What does that mean? I I like cozy sweaters and delicious drinks. Okay. Yeah, guilty as charged. I'm wearing a sweater and I love fancy coffee. It's me defender of the basic. Defender of the basic. Yes. Okay, everyone. Thank you all so much for joining us. And remember, stories grow with the telling. So if you like what we do, tell a friend. Or a foe. And we'll see you soon. Okay? Yep. See you kids on the basketball court. Do you want to redo it, Tracy? I will make you stick to that one. I forgot my line. Thank you so much for joining us for the Willing and Fable podcast. This episode was written and produced by Tracy Harrison and Rowan Hall. That's me. Our music was written and performed by Taylor Ash, and our logo is by Jamie Harrison. If you ever want to watch or read what we're reading, head over to willingandfable.com for our show notes and custom merch. Or find us at Willing and Fable on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok to join the discussion. We hope you'll rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast using your favorite listening source. And check out Willing and Fable on Patreon, where we have more than a few surprises for you, including custom artwork, stories, and access to our secret Discord channel. And of course, join us next time for another round of original retellings and in-depth research on the history, mystery, and mythology that makes the world so fascinating. And if you like... What the f*** is our closing? Have fun. I literally just... (laughs) See you kids on the basketball courts. That's how you finish them, right? (laughs) That's how we finish it. That's how we finish Mm -hmm. it. And remember, stories grow off the telling. 
See you kids on the basketball courts. <laughs>